Today on the show, we're talking about minimalism. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm your host. Thank you so much for being here with us today as we talk about minimalism. I'm joined with Trevor, and we're going to dive into this subject. But Trevor, I'm wondering why, why and how does minimalism come into play when we're talking about Canadian personal finance? So minimalism is a, uh, a philosophy about, I really think about it as turning the tap off on consumption. So if you are going to succeed in personal finance, you have to get your spending under control. And in my mind, minimalism, minimalism is an approach to, to con- controlling your spending or a philosophy to help you manage your spending in terms of consumption of consumer goods. So how would it, how do you define minimalism then for any of our listeners who maybe are new or haven't haven't quite explored that topic yet? Well, I'm a big fan of the minimalists and becoming minimalists. Those are two blogs I follow. The minimalists have a podcast which I listen to every week. I suggest everyone should listen to it. It's very inspiring. But those those two people, they kind of define minimalism as living life intentionally and and just bringing things into your life that truly add value. And to me, that that really is minimalism. So I think minimalism looks different for everybody, but overarching, it's being intentional with every aspect of your life. When we look at minimalism then, and even in terms of personal finance, do you think, or would you even say that minimalism is the key to living a funny uh like uh, a good financial life in a sense or would you say it's something you kind of adapt on the side is it a whole whole lifestyle and um, that you live where does it kind of fall in and, and really mesh with uh with the, your philosophies on personal finance well i know i've evolved into minimalism and in doing so i, I just find i'm i'm not looking for that next shiny thing at one time I was, and it, it was effort to control that urge. And adopting a minimalist mindset, I just, I'm no longer seeking, I no longer look at my life and say, what's missing? And I, I think I used to look at things that way. And now I kind of I kind of look at my life and say, what's in my way? What access do I have that if I, if I got rid of my life would be better? So I, I used to always be sort of seeing what wasn't there. And now that I've adopted minimalism, that is has left me, and it, it's like lifting a weight off your shoulders. Forget the the financial impact, just the emotional side of it. I really like what you said there about what is getting in my way, and right there, that whole that whole shift in in thinking, and that whole shift in and how you look at your possessions and the things in your life is, I think, what defines minimalism and what I kind of want to get into uh, into later in this episode, kind of that 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 elimination of, of, of excess and how it can really lift us up. So to lead into this episode, I want to go through a list of four different aspects to consider when pursuing minimalism or thinking about minimalism or even things that others might have said to you or you've said to another about what defines minimalism. And Trevor just kind of said earlier that minimalism means something different to each individual who is pursuing minimalism. Um, So this list is a little, is like that. And Trevor and I haven't really discussed this list. So, and Trevor, I'm really interested to hear your take on, on these items here. 
So my first item on this list about minimalism is minimalism has to grow organically. And I get where you come, where you could look at this and say, when you say it grow organically, it's something that's going to evolve slowly and it's just going to sort of creep into your life. Is that kind of your perception of that? Yes and no. I mean, when, when I, when I say organically, it can't be something that you take all on at once in that you can't minimize all of your belongings and, and get to that perfect state of of exactly the state of minimalism you want to be at overnight or over the course of a weekend. And at the same time, if you are fascinated by minimalism, you may ha- take on this all or nothing approach where you have to be minimalist in every aspect all at once or you can't even find yourself as a minimalist. But what I do love about minimalism is that it is, it's, it's a journey and there's no real um, end destination because the, the process of, of clearing items out of your life that no longer add value, I think is the, the pleasure of minimalism in itself. So I'm going to somewhat disagree. I think minimalism has to be deliberate. It can't just be this thing that evolves organically. I think, so So it can't be imposed on somebody. It has to be something you pursue. But for me personally, it has to be something that is this line in the sand, I'm doing this now. And I think it has to, for me personally, it has to touch every aspect of my life. And I'm going to give you an example. I don't think you could minimize your clothes and not min- and and have closets full of shoes. I, I don't think that that's possible because one as the clothes kind of touch the shoe life, right? Those two things kind of are intertwined. So I, I don't think you could minimalize your bedroom and have every gadget going in your kitchen. So in my because it's such a mindset for me, I, I can't just do a little bit here and a little bit there. I'd feel like I've given up. It, so I have a weakness of electronic gadgets. No, stop. And <laughs> it's true. But I, I, I've gone through, and see, this is, I've gone through an effort to minimize that aspect of my life because I, I found it. I always had something that needed to be charged and it was driving me crazy. So <laughs> that's one of the, I didn't, that was an unanticipated benefit of minimalizing those things is now I, I have fewer things that need to be charged. I was always looking for a cable or a, something to plug something into. It was driving my wife crazy. But anyway, I, I've minimalized that and, and it, it's really made a difference. But if you successfully minimalize some aspect of your life, I can't help but think everybody is going to be motivated because of the benefits you're going to get from that to, to tackle another aspect of your life. And I, I can't think of any aspect of someone's life where getting rid of something and, and getting rid of the clutter, it's just going to bring positive things. So I think you have to be deliberate to go into minimalism, but you're right. You're, I agree that it will grow organically once you step into that world in that once you do one aspect of your life, you'll just be motivated to carry on through every aspect of your life. So it, it will grow organically that way. Once you start, you will not stop until every aspect of your life has become minimalized. But I think you need to be deliberate and draw a line in the sand to step into that world. You can't just you can't just sort of ease your way into it or just go in slowly because of the mindset required to, that you have to adopt. It's it, it's it, I'm going to say it sounds really strong, but I'm going to say it's life changing. So it, it's going to be deliberate. I do agree. Minimalism is definitely very life changing. But if you if you get inspired by 
this podcast by a documentary you watch by a blog post you read and you decide that you are going to minimize your clothing but you're not yet ready to step into your favorite part of the house which is the kitchen because you love to bake but clothing is not as much of a, a high held um, priority but you're but you're still ready to minimize your clothing because again it, it just feels more natural I think that's okay and if that's your first step and then you take you pause there and and still with that minimalist mentality you can begin tackling areas or or parts of your life that are maybe more challenging so I think taking that slow organic approach not forcing anything on you because that's a big thing about minimalism if you if you force the process if you if you you'll begin throwing away things that do actually bring value to your life without really realizing that you have soon depleted your life of the things that do bring value so i'm not a kitchen gadget person but i'm going to do a comparison so i i'm going to say i disagree in that i'm definitely not a clothes person so minimalizing my clothes if somebody were to come and look at my clothes they'd say they, they would have thought i was a minimalist before i started my clothing but but i've even thinned it out even more i might even look homeless <laughs> to some to some degree because i have so few clothes but if you looked at my electronics world you'd say this guy's anything but a minimalist but i minimalize that aspect of my life the fact that I, I was I had the mindset saying I need to get rid of some of these redundant things. It, it, it wasn't ex, as extreme as my clothing, but it's still I minimalized it for me. So if somebody was able to minimize their clothes, I think they could still go into their kitchen and get rid of redundancy, and, and it would still look like a kitchen that's overstocked to some people. But for that person, they have minimalized their kitchen. So. I think there's a follow through on every aspect of your life. So I have to disagree. I do agree. I agree with the follow through with the, it has to be intentional and take place in all aspects of your life. I just think that the difference between an individual pursuing minimalism and becoming interested in minimalism is the difference between someone being afraid that they cannot call themselves a minimalist unless they have minimalized their entire life all at once in one go because that can be overwhelming if you're first getting your feet wet within the subject so I think in the sense that you can't still um, be a minimalist if you truly and strongly hold that mentality and know that you are working your I call it a lifelong journey to continue um, upholding that minimalism throughout your 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 whole entire space, and whether that be mental or physical. Well, you said this. You, you said an interesting thing. So you could call yourself a minimalist, and I would caution everybody to to I'd, I'd never you know stand up in a room and, and proclaim myself a minimalist. You're just asking for uh, to be attacked, right? You're just asking for people to to call you out on that. So I would say in, in becoming a minimalist, make it a, a personal goal, a personal objective, not a public one. Because the minute you say you're a minimalist, someone is going to call you out on some aspect of your life and, and you're going to be stuck there trying to defend yourself. See, I'm glad you brought that up because that's another really important um, subject to touch on while we are doing this episode because you're right, maybe calling yourself a minimalist um, at that exact moment, maybe maybe the more correct term would be an aspiring minimalist. But 
I think if you take on that mentality, if you own it, if it becomes a part of you in the way, I'm not sure if we have any vegans listening, but um, Trevor and I just happen to both be vegans. And it, it truly is this this evolutionary um, uh, lifestyle, I guess. And I consider minimalism to be very much a same kind of lifestyle where you pursue it and you pursue it at different severities at different times in your life. And you pursue it at, at different intensities, I guess, depending on where you are and, and how much you need to rely on minimalism. But I could look at someone's someone's cl- space and it could seem overwhelming with with objects and possessions but they may stand there and say look at my minimalist space and I have no right as a person who who doesn't live within that space who's not that person to, to tell them that their space and hasn't been minimalized enough because for them each and every object could truly truly bring value even if it is quite a few more objects than I would I feel comfortable owning and calling myself a minimalist. So this is why minimalism is so beautiful is because anyone can call, can if, if they truly believe deep down that they have um, reached what they would define as a minimalist amount of items or, or, or if they feel that they are minimalist in their heart, then they are a minimalist. But again, to your point there, Trevor, if you are in the process, the early beginnings of, of becoming a minimalist, it is fair to say I... I take on um, a minimum, I, I pursue a minimal, minimalism lifestyle or I'm an aspiring minimalist or, or something to kind of encompass how you feel about the subject. If anyone asks or if that's something that kind of comes up in conversation. No, I, I, I agree with you on that point, but I, I would just say it, the only time I would say out loud to anybody outside of my close circle of friends that I, I'm pursuing minimalism is if I'm, if I'm reaching out for help or assistance, uh, you know, if I'm struggling with some aspect of minimalism, would I reach out for, would, would I vocalize that I, I want to, I, actually, I wouldn't even define myself as a minimalist. I would, I would more go in the direction and say, I want to minimalize something rather than define myself as a minimalist. Even I might think that, but I don't think I'd say it out loud in that. Yeah. I, I want asking for I, judgment. I want to dig into that though, Trevor. Where so the minimalists, Josh and Ryan, who have been, if anyone's seen the documentary or read their books or again listen to their podcast, they define themselves as as minimalists. And while you're, I'm 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 guessing because they are very extremely minimalist. Maybe your lifestyle doesn't exactly represent their lifestyle. What's your hesitation for for truly, um, I guess, owning that word or or really taking yeah taking ownership of it? I'm just not a fan of labels. I, 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 I'm so you mentioned I'm a vegan. I, I just like to think myself as, is healthy, living a healthy life, and, and uh, be, being adopting minimalism in some aspect of my life is just trying to bring order and and remove the chaos from my life. So, I, I guess I'm just not a fan of labels. Okay, and and I'm glad that's it's a that's a fabulous point, and one I'm glad he brought forward, just because, um, it, it, again, there there is that stigma around uh, being afraid to 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 use the word minimalist, and and again, sometimes not even wanting the label, which is absolutely fine, just because there is that that stigma around what is a minimalist, it's kind of weird, whatever you want to say about minimalism, if, if you're not educated about the topic. But, but to your point, yes, it's definitely, I, it's not something I go around telling people simply because it, it's, 
I don't want to call it a niche uh, niche interest or anything like that because it is growing more and more mainstream. But it, to be able to kind of explain what minimalist means to you is a whole conversation. So that's point number one. My second point uh, to kind of defining minimalism or, or talking about minimalism is um, one person's minimalism is another person's ac- excess, which is kind of really what we ta- just talked about. Yeah, and I, I know if you were to look at my wife's shoe collection and look at my shoe collection, you would say, um, I'm a minimalist, and you might think my wife is not. Now, as it turns out, my wife wears all her shoes uh, quite frequently. Like, she, she's, she's, he, she wears those shoes, uh, I'd say within a month, she's gone through all her f- footwear. I have probably a quarter of the shoes and but I wear the same pair of shoes every day, so I have a bunch of shoes that I could probably get rid of. I, I just never wear, but I, I just I keep them in my closet. So even though I have a quarter of the number of shoes, I have these these shoes that I consider excessive that that are in my way more often than not. So I, I you can't just sort of look at someone's scenario and say, oh that that guy's a minimalist when it comes to shoes. When in fact I, I'm not. I have sh- if you have something you don't use then it's it's something that's in your way. It's something taking up a space in your life. It's something that you need to keep track of or tidy up. So I think, actually, if you looked at my garage, you would also think I'm a minimalist. But there's there's a bunch of things in there from when my kids were younger that I could clearly get rid of, but I just haven't. So I, I think, and the other thing is, given someone's space they have to work with, they, you can have the illusion of minimalism when in fact you you have more stuff than necessary. So me and my wife, two people live in quite a large house. Our stuff is spread out quite a bit over over the the whole house. If I were to stuff all that into a one bedroom apartment, you would <laughs> trust me, you would not think we're minimalists. So I, I think passing judgment on someone's one person's minimalism and, and suggesting somebody else isn't I don't think you can do that. I, I really I really like uh, that last point that you just said about the size of your space um, really reflecting the the number of possessions you own. Um, my boyfriend Jace, he's been on the podcast before. We share a one bedroom apartment, and all the possessions we own, I mean, minus anything that is that's still at my parents' place, but uh, basically all our all a lot of our possessions are within this one bedroom apartment, and. And we we are constantly minimalizing because you you see it you see you the it's kind of you can't really hide that much and there's there's not there's only two closets three closets um in this apart in in this in our in our unit so it's very becomes difficult to kind of hide and disguise um any excess or any clutter so if if anything living in a one bedroom to or a two bedroom apartment or a smaller um, home is is almost a blessing in disguise because it gives you the opportunity to really pare down and minimalize while it's all kind of in your face. So I would say, I would kind of disagree with that in that if you are in a small space in maybe let's just say this is the only space you can afford, then minimalism is kind of being imposed on you from from an economic standpoint. You may want to develop a collection of, of, uh, something that takes up a lot of space. It's just something you say you wanted to connect, collect canoes <laughs> as much space as they would take up, right? Just say that was a, a collection you wanted to have. Well, it, and just say, 
economics says uh, all I can afford is this apartment. Therefore, I can't collect canoes. I, I would think that you'd be um, you would be living miserably as a minimalist, as it as it referred to canoes. So uh, to me, that I don't know if you could really say, okay, I'm a minimalist because all my stuff fits in a one bedroom apartment. I, I, you may have excess of stuff in that apartment, stuff you don't want, don't need. You, you just don't feel motivated to get rid of it. It's not adding any value to your life, but it's, it's, it's there taking up space. Even though you have overall, you have less stuff than say I do in my four bedroom house, but everything in my house, it, I, I've been very strategic about what I'm keeping and what I'm getting rid of. So it really doesn't come down to the number of pieces. It comes down to the like I said earlier, the value each of those things is adding to your life. And I can say without question that you you need to look at things in a, a very clear lens and say, you, the worst question to say is, when was the last time I used this? Because that's, that's what I call junking out. You know, when was the last time I used it? I said, what does this thing mean to me? What does this, what does, what service does this item provide to me? And if you can't answer that question in you know, your next thought, your next, you know, the, the next thing that pops into your head, then chances are that's something that could be minimalized. I, I really like the point that you made about having a one bedroom apartment and being able to having minimalism imposed on you. But in, in, in a sense, the things that are in your apartment, I mean, I'm not a minimalist. We're not fully minimalist at the point that we, we would like to be because we do have too much clutter. But in the, in the fact that we can't spread it out, we can't hide it in the basement. We can't hide it on all the nooks and crannies of, of a home. We, we don't have that like, pleasure, maybe displeasure or just to be able to do that. But what we do have is the ability to it for it to all be in in one room so we can we can really see it it, it all for for what we have and that way we can we can't ignore it it's it's there like i said in our face where we have to look at it and it, it we, we we don't we don't lose sight or track of anything because again it's all it's all there so it's and it is a blessing in that um jason i will move to uh, a bigger home at some point but at least at this point while everything is in the same room essentially um we can we can really declutter and and pare down what we have the opportunity to do before it gets dispersed throughout a house so it's, I want to move on to my third point here and the third point and one that I don't know I'd like to hear your take on Trevor is um, the fact that minimalism can be expensive. It, it can be in a couple of ways and the first thing people think about when they think minimalism being expensive is is getting rid of things you wish you hadn't and I'm going to say that's not the case. The, the number of things I've got rid of in an effort to minimalize that I wish I hadn't, I can count on one hand over my entire life where I, I've got rid of things and and I wish I had. Like, for me, it's, it, I guess the older you get, the less likely you think you're going to use something because the, the more times elapse since you have used it. So it becomes easier. But I work with somebody who, and this person's not a minimalist, but they, they, they were getting frustrated uh, with all the jobs to do in their house and, the, and a bit of a frantic life, young kids. 
So they decided to hire a cleaner, a cleaner to come in and clean their house once a week. And in doing that, they this lady realized how much stuff they had lying around that they they just stepped over. It, it, it just became a fixture on a table, like a, a, a stack of books just became a fixture on this table rather than being put back in the bookcase or realizing that they're on the table because they didn't fit on the bookcase. And so the cleaner asked this person this question. He says, when I find items, I don't know where to, you know, I don't know where they belong. Where do you want me to put them? And to start with, this lady said, that that's an odd question. Everything in my house has, has a place. And so she asked the the cleaner asked the question again, you know, where do I put these things that appeared I don't have a home? And so rather than, you know, argue with this cleaner, she said, oh, just pile it on the dining room table. Well, <laughs> she went to work and she came back home and her dining room table was just um, just a huge mound of things. Like she had no idea these things didn't have a home. And when she went through the pile, she realized, yeah, none of this stuff has a home. None of this stuff really was somewhere it belonged in the eyes of, the, of a stranger coming to her house. And, and to start with, she saw this mound on her table and she was just uh, annoyed. She, I hired a cleaner and they created this mess on my table. You know what? That's the worst money I ever spent. But then she walked around her house and she realized that the how open and clean and and or orderly everything appeared. And she realized this mound on this table was just spread around her house. And and so she had her eyes open to minimalism at that at that moment. And she said, I, I she had no idea. And so all that stuff on the table. Her, her, once her, her whole family came home, they went through those things. And she said 90% of things on the table got thrown out. Rather than the odd things they did find a home for. And I, I thought, so minimalism for her, it cost her the price of a cleaner to get into minimalism, get her eyes open to it. And it, it, that was money well spent for her. I don't know what a cleaner costs. I've never had one. But um, that's so that's that's an example of where minimalism can cost you money. But another thing of minimalism where I think it can be expensive is when you try to get a, a multi-purpose function out of, out of a, I'll use a, a Swiss army knife as an example. Just say you, you have a, a kitchen utensil, you have five different kitchen utensils and you know that there's, there's this one really expensive machine you can buy that'll replace all five of these things. So when you try to minimize from that standpoint, and I'm going to say that's not minimalizing, that's simplifying. And, and so people get that confused. So to, to truly minimize, it doesn't cost anything. But if you try to simplify and confuse that with minimalizing, then simplifying your life can, can be expensive from that standpoint. When you're trying to find something that has multiple purposes, it, it'll replace multiple things you own in your life. So uh, but overarching, I, I think minimalism just saves you money. It, it it just it gets things out of your life, and it just I, I think it it turns off the tap on consumption, and in that way, it just saves you a ton of money. When you are no longer looking for what's not there, instead of you're looking at what's in my way and getting rid of it. So just purely turning on the tap on consumption, turning that off, that is going to save you whatever it will cost, whatever added cost you end up deriving out of minimalism just say it does cost you money say you have to hire a cleaner turning off the tap on consumption it's going to offset that tenfold 
I really like that that kind of moment of realization um, where where your coworkers' objects were all piled in one place, and that's actually I want to talk about a book, and that's gonna it's kind of kind of circle back to that example, um, which is it's, it's fascinating that you brought that up. I do want to, in the note of this this specific point, I do want to add in that one of the kind of the philosophies of minimalism is to get um, a high quality something. So if you have um, six, we'll use the bags or purses as an example, but even if you have kind of six purses that are kind of do what you want and they kind of, kind of hold some things, but don't hold everything and not quite the right fabric. So when it rains, you use that one. And when it snows, it uses this one. And when you carry a specific water bottle, you use that one. So if you kind of have a mishmash of, of ones that you just kind of acquired and maybe you were gifted or, or found or, or just kind of not, just ones that you're not really in love with. And then, and, and the minimalism philosophy is to kind of replace all of those with, with the, the high quality, um, right objects. So you just have one of them and, and then you reach the same purse and it kind of does exactly what you want. And so that's kind of the expensive and it's something kind of Josh and Ryan have, have talked about within, within their, um, content is just that you kind of can acquire that one really expensive thing it does not be expensive but I, I use the word high quality instead so I don't know Trevor that's that's kind of where I've heard that minimalism can be expensive if we look at the getting the best blender which I was gifted a blender blender recently it's it's the Vitamix and if anyone has one they know it's uh a horsepower of a blender and it, it pretty much is all you'll ever need so but again that's not um that's not inexpensive by any means. So I'm going to disagree with that point. I get where you're coming from, but I, I think the reason, it, I, so given infinite resources, I think somebody who wasn't a minimalist would buy the high quality, a whole bunch of them, right? They, they would just fill their life with high quality, high priced purses or blenders or whatever. But I, I think people tend to buy the lower cost ones because they want more. And in, so if those are your choices, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of lower cost ones or one really high cost one. I think that it, that's just, uh, you've spent the same amount of money. You've just adopted a different mindset, but given infinite resources, if you weren't a minimalist and you, you, you had no limitations on your spending, you would have bought a whole bunch of really expensive ones, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, so the reason you're, I, I think you will have spent the same amount of money. You will have just acquired things with a, diff, with a different mentality. So you're saying even as a minimalist, I guess that's where I just... It, it's, not, it's not any more expensive. I think you've spent the same amount of money. You've just acquired it with a different mindset. So you're saying that even as a minimalist, you might acquire a less expensive... Um, item but only one of them as opposed to less expensive item in multitudes of them yes okay so and 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 maybe i guess that's where the the minimalist mentality can balance out is that if 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 your passion maybe is making smoothies and and cooking in a high-end vitamix would um, do the job as opposed to three other um machines that really you're not really you don't really value because they don't do a good job maybe that is you the kind of high quality item you you work towards saving towards or or, and then you eventually have and and you have this kind of minimalist um approach to cooking is that is that what you kind of mean there trevor 
Yeah, I do. I, I think, you know, if you think of footwear, footwear's a big one for me. I, I have tend to have sensitive feet. <laughs> so I, I, or I complain a lot when my feet get sore. But I tend to buy high quality shoes and I, I don't own a lot. I mentioned I don't own a lot of shoes. I, I have problem getting getting rid of shoes, but the, the few I own are really high quality. So, and I think that's the reason I don't own many is I only buy like shoes in excess of a hundred dollars because I, I, I know I, I, I can't say, oh, my feet are sore because I bought cheap shoes. And I think that's one of the problems. I'm not sure how much of a problem it is in the, in the, um, male shoe space but i know in the, in the female shoe space there's uh stores like um our jeans if anyone has heard of it and they specialize um with just lots of of kind of quick purchase inexpensive buy two for x amount of dollars deals and it's it's easy to kind of stock up on multitudes of inexpensive footwear and and i've definitely bought um, a quick pair of flip-flops there for the summer but i think that has really shone light on how how easy it is to acquire uh, a multitude of inexpensive items versus versus taking the time to purchase a more expensive one. So Trevor, I want to move on to the last point within this list before we kind of jump on to talking about this amazing book I have uh, recently started diving into. But my last point here is minimalism is not for everybody. So that's how I feel about it. But would you agree? I would disagree in that my definition of it is, is living an intentional life. And so that would be like saying not everybody needs to be intentional with how they live their life, you know, to, to, to give that another, say it another way. And, and I, I would say that nobody should ever live their life without intentions and deliberately do things that, that move them in a direction toward a better place. So I think minimalism should should be adopted by everybody in all aspects of your life. And if for no other reason, just to shut the tap off my consumption. But I, I think for me personally, I have got so much joy by getting things out of my life that are not only not adding value, but are in my way constantly. So getting rid of things that I no longer use, but are taking up space. I get more joy from that than I do by acquiring a new shiny whatever your Bluetooth earbud, <laughs> you know, I, I get more joy getting rid of things that are, I no longer use than, than I do. In fact, you know, there's something I have sitting on my desk here that's been driving me crazy and I, I just can't bring myself to get rid of it. So when I bought, got my MacBook for doing this podcast, they were giving away uh, Beats headphones, those big headphones, and they're super expensive, And but they were giving it away with the, if you bought a MacBook that day, that month. I don't know how long this, but I had no idea this was going on. And I got these things and they are so uncomfortable. For anyone who wears glasses, these things press against your your side of your head and pinch your ears against your ear. And I wear these for for, uh, 30 minutes and I am just like a bear. You can't even talk to me. (laughs) And I don't even know why, but then I realized these things are pinching my ears and they're uncomfortable. But I know how expensive they are. And so... I, I'm struggling. I just want to get rid of them because I, I just get them out of my life. Like I wish I, they, it's like a boat anchor was given to me, but for some reason I can't get rid of them. I, I, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff. So I, I thought, you know, me being this audiophile, I'd really enjoy them, but I, I, they're in my way. I'm always worrying about their, their Bluetooth, of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> and, and there's a battery that needs to be charged and I'm always worried that the battery is going to die if I don't keep the, 
charged. And anyway, that's something I keep toying with getting these out of my life. So I don't have to, they're not in my way. They're not taking up space on my desk. I'm not worrying about, you know, do they need to be charged again and just getting rid of them. So that's something, there's something I want to minimize. I don't know. I can't get past because I know they're, they're expensive. I feel like if I throw them away or give them away, I, I, I've given up a whole bunch of money that I actually never spent to start with. It, it's like a sunk cost, I guess, but I, I never actually incurred the cost. But that, that's an example where if I got rid of those, I think my life would be better. That's where I'm going with that. I, I think if I got those things out of my life, I, I think I, I would just, I'd be better off for it. And, but if I, if acquiring another Bluetooth earbud, headphones, whatever, I, I don't think it would add much joy to my life. I already have, I've only had two ears and I have already more <laughs> earphones and earbuds than I, I could possibly use. It's just a fetish I have, I guess. But so that's an example where I think getting rid of these would make my life better than actually acquiring a new pair. So a couple of things from that. First, I, in, in the sense that minimalism isn't for everyone, I think to uh, depending on on where that person is if that person because minimalism again is not something you can force on your loved ones or your friends or it's not something that you kind of want someone else to want that an individual needs to internalize and want it themselves and I think that is what I mean by this and that anyone listening to this podcast is obviously into personal finance and 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 really in personal finance and all aspects of their life, whether that means in, in embracing minimalism or not. But I think too, there are some individuals who maybe will never care as much about personal finance as our audience listening today or, and may never even decide to or want to or have the interest to broach that subject. So in the sense of minimalism is not for everyone, it's, it's okay if minimalism is never something you even want to ever explore touch or dabble in or if it's something you kind of want to keep at arm's length if 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 that's a person's um interest or or and their personal preference i think there's no reason why that's not okay see now i have to disagree you know being responsible with your personal finances to me just as an example I don't think that's an option that you can say, you know, I, I don't need to be responsible with my money. I, I, I'm going to choose to invest my time into something else. I, I think minimalism, again, if, if your definition is being intentional with your possessions, I, I think it's something that you need to embrace and bring into your life. And, and I think it, it, it's just, it's going to look different for everybody. It's, it, you, you, you can't say this is minimalism. Just like, one person being really financially responsible might look different than somebody else. But if you're moving in that direction, if you're moving in the direction constantly of, of thinking about minimalism from a standpoint of being intentional with the things you're bringing into your life, if you're moving in that direction all the time, I think you'll be a happier person for it. Just as if you're moving in the direction of being more responsible with your personal finances, if you're always moving in that direction, then I think you're going to be happier for that. So I think you always need to be, it's, again, minimalism is not a destination. Just like personal finance, there is no destination. It's a direction, a life direction. And I think everyone should be moving in that direction. Oh, and I, uh, Trevor, I completely, 100%, 150% agree with everything that you just said. I just mean that, well, I, I, I agree I, at the same time, in the same breath, I'm sure you can think of at least one or two individuals within your life that 
even after explaining what minimalism is or explaining why you are so passionate about personal finance, the extent that you have a personal finance podcast and, and enjoy talking about it on a weekly basis and with, with any, everyone around you, there are going to be individuals who still will not understand that or want to embrace that or want to ask, where can I learn more? There are those individuals who, in, with, even with your own life, that, that will not want to further explore that, that, minim, that maybe minimalism for them or, or living intentionally is simply when they, their shelves are overflowing, they decide that they, they need to get rid of something. So maybe if, if, in, if you don't actually explore the actual topic of minimalism or fully explore the extent to which minimalism could benefit you as an individual, maybe that still counts. And maybe making sure you simply uh, stay out of debt or are able to pay off your credit cards, even if you are using them with, uh, for consumer purchases, maybe if that's your definition of, um, taking care of your personal finances, maybe that counts. So I, to, to the extent of which the actual exploration of minimalism is not for everyone is kind of what I mean by this point, if that makes sense. I I hear what you're saying. I just, I don't know if I agree in that. um, If you're not moving toward that type of life, you're, you're probably moving away from it. I, I doubt you're just standing still. So I, I would, if you're not moving toward intentionality, then you're just moving away from it, which means you're moving toward just randomness in your life and, and maybe no direction. Definitely. And I, th- I think that's that does happen to a lot of individuals. I feel I feel like there are individuals who maybe are moving in the wrong direction. So I, I do wish I wish we could. I, I wish I, I mean, we obviously believe so hard, wholeheartedly in minimalism that we we believe everyone would benefit from it. But you, you know, here's a stat I, I'd read um, recently, and it was on the internet, so I know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But it, 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 was a pen, it was a pension actuary. These are the people that uh, manage pension plans in terms of, uh, for big companies, in terms of the amounts they have to pay out to their their employees. So, And, and they, they were actuaries for big companies like Ford and uh, I think Microsoft and General Electric. So those are the three companies that they they did this analysis and they said that the people that retired and I'm going with this this is going to circle back to minimalism but the people that retired at age 55 the average years of the this is the average years that they had to pay out uh, pensions to those employees was 25 years that's the average so some people longer some people shorter but after 25 years the people that retired at 65 the average payout was 24 months so they again there's some people that got longer some people got shorter, but 24 months, two years. And the the article said that the difference was the people that retired at 55 were, uh, they had a deliberate plan. They, they lived their life intentionally. They lived their life with a plan. And, and so they didn't live necessarily longer because they retired at 55 they live longer because they had a life that they that was they were living with intention. You know, they 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 had a purpose. They weren't just they weren't just uh, being and just living in the. I guess there's, I don't want to say living in the moment. There's some value in that too. But they they had a, a plan in their life. They 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 had a direction. And then the people that tried at sixty five, chances are they worked until they couldn't work anymore, or maybe they had to retire based on the. This is in the state, so maybe there you have to retire at sixty-five. I don't know 
if the company can impose that on you in Canada, you don't. But so I, I think living with intention in, in minimalism is living an intentional life. I, I think it's going to meet, do more for your health and more for your well being than, than just the possessions in your life. No, and I, I a hundred percent agree with that. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So Trevor, that was the kind of the four items that I'd put together, um, to kind of, it, it kind of talk about maybe the misconceptions of the myths or the, the truth from our perspective of, of what minimalism is. And, and I just, I just want to say, this isn't the first episode we did on minimalism. We've, we've done a uh, previous one. And I think this is one of these episodes where we could revisit this once a year, if, if nothing else, to inspire somebody who's never heard of the concept to, to dig a little deeper because there, there's some great resources and we'll leave them in the show notes. But I, I, I like we do budgeting, a show on budgeting every year. I think just to inspire people to, to if they haven't got one, to have a budget, I think we're going to do this annually, this minimalism thing, because I think it's a game changer. Oh, I agree. And just, just like we, we do often revisit uh, the topic of used cars, um, simply because it's something we're very, very passionate about as well. Um, and just to reinvigorate why uh, why you may be driving a used car versus a brand new shiny one. So back to this book. So I read a book. It is called, it's it's po- very popular right now, and it's it's really amazing. It's called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. And I'll put it in the show notes so you can um, check that out. I'm listening to the audiobook right now. So this is this is for you, Trevor. Um, and it's really, it's amazing. Um, it, it really talks about, and I don't want to say it has kind of a... a it doesn't really have a spiritual side, but it has this more of an emotional take on minimalism than the philosophies of, of the minimalists. So Josh and Ryan, um, there it's more of a, a logical approach to it. Have used this item um, within the past twenty days, or does it cost twenty dollars to replace? So there's kind of the, that more logical side to it. But Marie Kondo's um, take on it, and it, it focuses on the Japanese art of tidying up. So it, it's, it's this whole uh, philosophy that she, she lives around. And it's rooted in the emotional side of things and the emotional connection we we have towards objects and things in our possessions. So, and and, and it works through this very methodological way to move through your possessions. So first off, and I've read about half the book so far, and it's it, it talks about, so for clothes, for instance, and this this the same kind of parameter can be applied to anything. But the first thing that she works through minimalizing is clothes um, due to it's the the reduced level of rarity to it and that clothes, a pair of jeans or a shirt can often be replaced by a similar um, or maybe even um, better quality or or likeness of the one you would have discarded. So th- we start with the clothes, the first thing. And in this, it's really, really fascinating. So um, you kind of hold each object in your hands and you ask, does this spark joy? And it's such a unique question to ask yourself because um, in the same way, does this item bring add value to my life? You, by holding an object in your hands, you get you essentially feel the uh, the, the essence of it, and, and you ask whether that that object sparks joy. And you do this for for your books and for for everything. Um, in your space. And the unique thing about this is you're supposed to pile all of your clothes or all of your books into one space, one, one, one group at a, at a time. And then that, that allows you to see how much of, of that one type of 
possession, clothes, for instance, have accumulated with your in your home, which brings us back to the dining room example that you threw out there earlier, Trevor, and that you see just exactly how much of, of, of one thing that you actually own. You know, uh, I, I did, she has a episode on Netflix, um, a, a sort of a Netflix original. And I, I don't, have you seen that yet? Yeah, I've actually, I've watched two episodes, I believe. It's, and, and so I have I have not read the book, but you're you're inspiring me to to read the book or listen to the audio book. But I I think the word tidy up is misleading in that title. Do oh, you agree? Oh, hundred percent. I'm glad you're you're mentioning that because um, I mentioned it to Jace actually, and he is uh, hardcore into minimalism as well. And I I told him about tidying up, and he's like, oh no, like that that I don't I don't think tidying up is the answer. And I was like, no no no, and and it actually within this book. Um, it, which isn't mentioned within the TV show. And I do want to add that. I think the, the show is an, actually inspired me to read the book because it kind of introduced me to the whole um, philosophy of, of Marie Kondo's. But I think if, if, if you're at all inspired by the, the book the, or the TV show, the book really takes that one step further to kind of explain the things that aren't explained in the TV show. But in the book, she explains, or the audio book, she explains how tidying up in, in the sense that would first reach your mind is that you kind of go to a complete storage store and you pick up storage bins and you put all your current possessions into those bins to put them away. That's probably is that probably what hits your mind, right, Trevor? Yeah, it does. And and I remember hearing this one. Uh, uh, I think it was the minimum who said this. If 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 um, organizing really worked, wouldn't we be done by now? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> she she talks about how this isn't. It's it's she frowns upon actually. She does. She frowns upon. The, the act of simply storing our things out of mind, out of sight, and, 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 and the art of organizing. And she actually separates the two into complete categories. She says that you really, you can't start thinking about where is this object going to go? What, where, what, in what room, room am I going to put it in? Uh, she, she kind of, and she, she discourages sorting by room as well. So that kind of separates, to your point there, Trevor, it separates, um, whether you want to keep that possession or not from where am I going to store it? What am I, what am I going to store it in? And, 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 and really again, separates the two. So the, t- the tidy up is, is, is very, uh, and I'm not saying they're doing this delivery, but it's a misleading title. It's, it's really a book about minimalism. It really is. And it's fascinating in that, and I'm only talking so highly about this book because I think there's, and, and to my to the fourth point in in the list I we just presented a little earlier, minimalism is not for everyone. I think there there's definitely things about things that can resonate with individuals in a different way. And while minimalism has obviously always resonated with me, the the perspective that Marie Kondo presents in her book resonated with me. Um, I don't want to say more heavily than the the minimalists approach did because the minimalists are so very inspiring. But the the approach that Marie Kondo presents in her book is 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 absolutely fascinating, and I highly recommend uh, listening to it or reading it. There's an ebook as well, and it it's I I can't even I can't speak highly enough of it just because of how um, dramatically it has already impacted me. So I'll, I'll kind of dive into what. Um, what that book has inspired me to do. Um, so in the clothes, what, so I've, I've actually just yesterday, I spent yesterday sorting, piling all my clothes and jackets and purses and belts and scarves onto, um, onto my bed. And, well, and I want to say, I want to say, just watching the TV show, you tell me this, is once you pile all these things, all these clothes on your bed, 
like in the TV show I've seen, the thought of actually putting all that stuff away is very daunting. So, so it, it, in you, once you have a pile in your bed, you've got two choices. You're either going to get rid of some of it or you're going to find a way to put it all back in your closet and dresser. So I, I think you create this, this task that you have two choices and, and one looks a way lot easier than the other. Oh, definitely. And in the sense of, and in the same sense of we have bad days so we can actually experience what a good day feels like that kind of same kind of, you've heard that before, Trevor, the kind of the, yeah. the, the comparison that we have to have bad days in order to appreciate good days. Yes. I have, yeah. And that, that's, it's a great philosophy. I, th- I think, um, uh, you wouldn't like Fridays if you didn't have to work Mondays. Exactly. And that same kind of, that's kind of the same thing that applies to what you were just kind of speaking about when you have this massive pile of clothes on your bed and you have to sort through them is that you will realize what items you pick up and hold that bring you joy because you feel it, you experience it. And, and maybe I'm sounding a little kind of out there when I'm saying this, but when you're holding the item, you can tell instantly if this item brings you joy and if it doesn't, it's, it's a clear, obvious answer, um, that it should be discarded. But back to my, my, my other thing is once you're holding that article of clothing, if you don't, if you don't really want to keep this thing, then the next thought in your head is where am I going to put it? You know, I got to find a home for this. See, yes and no. I mean, in this in Marie Kondo's book, that thought is not supposed to pop into your head. You're not you're not supposed to you're supposed to stay very focused on uh, very systematically touching each item and and then deciding what to whether to keep or discard it. So in I'm not Trevor, I know you've written a little yourself, but there's that whole thing about when you're writing, you're not supposed to be editing at the same time. You're simply supposed to be writing and, and letting the thoughts flow to your head. And then you're supposed to, when that's all done, you're supposed to go back and edit to use each half of your brain. So the the where am I going to store? That's more the logical side of it, the the, the practical. But mm-hmm. how you feel about it, that's more the emotional attachment. I know I am a lot of my emotions come into play when I'm minimalizing. So this, I think, why? So we have any listeners out there who do have feel very kind of their emotional attachment to objects, and and that does resonate with them. I highly recommend diving into this book. So um, just to finish up my journey yesterday, so I ended up um, doing Marie Kondo in her book describes uh, how to the second kind of part of her book, which I haven't got to yet, but um, talked is talked about in the TV show as well is about putting all of your clothes away. And it's she has a special fold where all your objects fit in your dresser drawers a little bit better just because they're folded up nice and small. So I ended up folding all my clothes. I finished the whole thing and turns out I, my closet's half empty. The bin under my bed is empty um, and everything fits in my dresser. So it's this, and, and that, that feeling. So if, if whatever you're doing to minimize, I think that feeling of, 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 of joy when you're able to kind of in, 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 eliminate things that don't add value to your life. You're able to eliminate things that don't spark joy. I think that is a feeling that kind of, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, really keeps you moving forward. So it sounds like it's a, two, it's a two-step process. One is getting rid of the things that, that, that aren't bringing you joy. And then uh, the book offers a better way to organize the things that you do want to keep. Exactly. And that's really the, the power and, and the magic of this book. So there is a tidy up aspect to it. Yes, definitely. There definitely is. So Trevor, I want to kind of, before we do conclude the episode, I kind of want to run through, because a a couple of our our listeners may be listening and and wondering about maybe 
how we some tough things that we minimize and how we deal with that you kind of brought some things up um earlier through the episode but um can you kind of maybe shed light on on one or two objects that that you find difficulties minimalizing that you've minimalized and wish you didn't or just kind of your personal experiences lately with uh with minimalizing well, the thing I struggle with the most is this the sunk cost fallacy, right? The, where you, you spent some good money on something and it, it didn't live up to what you had hoped it was and, and now you're faced with getting rid of it and and, and theoretically taking a loss, right, on on this thing. So I, I everyone who's listening to this knows I, I do some furniture making and it requires some, some tools and, and some of them are not cheap. And a lot of times you'll acquire a tool in, in this hobby and it, it, I'll say it's the marketing is better than, than the uh, production of the tool. So it, it, the marketing offered that this tool was going to deliver a particular outcome, but in reality it, it didn't live up to the marketing. So I, I would, I'd have spent money on this tool and, and it, it, it turns out it's not as useful as that I hoped, but I don't get rid of it. I just leave it, it leave it taking up space in my shop, and I end up. It's more often in the way that then I, I try to find even a better place to store it. So it's not in the way, but I still I don't get rid of it. It turns out I, I took the loss on this tool when I bought it and first realized it, it's not going to serve the purpose I'd hoped. So that's the loss right there. So keeping it longer. It doesn't help you recoup that loss, right? So that's where I struggle with minimalism is is, is the sunk cost. You know, I, I have to realize no matter how long I keep this thing, I'm not going to recoup the money. You know, it's just it was a, a poor buying decision and hopefully I learn from it. I'll get rid of it and move on. I have I struggle to do that. So... What what finally helps you pull the trigger to to get rid of that item to throw it away to rid it from your life? Unfortunately, it's time. So I, I do struggle with keeping this thing in my life longer than necessary, and it's only the 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 elapse of time where I I, I say okay now I, I can get rid of this. So I I, I guess I, I I haven't used it in the last three years. I'm never going to use it, but I knew after six months, I was never going to use it. So I, I just kept it in my life longer than I needed to. So I have, I have kind of two things, um, two areas that I have difficulties with. And uh, actually, before I jump into that, I'm actually, and this is what has inspired this episode, um, at least on my part, um, I'm in the middle of right now playing the minimalism game. Um, one of Josh and Ryan's uh, minimalist uh ways to minimize I guess um and every so you throw away or sorry you minimize the number of items as of the day of of the month so we're at the 13th today so um and I've actually I'm actually done up to the 15th so every day um you get rid of I guess yeah again the item that coordinates with the day so uh, so far uh, me and Jace we've eliminated uh 240 items um combined wow. Yeah, so it, it, it it's crazy. So, but you built it up gradually. So the first day was one, then two, then three. So um, we're up to fifteen items for each of us, um, as as the most we've gotten rid of in one day. And we're gonna see how far we can get. It's it's getting more and more challenging, at least for Jace, because he's a little bit more, um, I guess, minimal than myself, um, in that he has a little fewer uh, possessions. But it's definitely it's very it's it's challenging. And I like the game aspect of it for anyone who's kind of looking for something to push themselves with because. 
it gives you this extra kind of push to to part with that object because it, it, it kind of it helps you get to the next day which is a challenge against yourself too even if you're playing with yourself but um so in this uh, two kind of struggles that i faced um one is with books and uh if you are struggling with with kind of books if you feel like you have a lot of them or you have trouble parting with them um there's a great part within marie kondo's book that that definitely assists with that um and i so i think that's one area trevor do you kind of struggle with books at all or is that just me or you know i i have a a kindle and i i enjoy ebooks and audiobooks but in saying that, it, it doesn't change the fact that I have books that I know I'm never going to read, even though they're digital. You, it's an area of your life that can get away on you, the di- your digital life. So even though you, you've stored these things electronically and they're not taking up physical space, they are taking up space on your computer. It's something you have to sift through, you have to organize. So minimalism, is it's, it goes beyond the physical. So I struggle with, you know, and this is where I, I fall down. This this digital ebook is not taking up any space, and I might read it. So why don't I just hold on to it, right? It's so or or an audio book. So I I struggle with thinking it's okay to cons- to not turn off the consumption tap on electronic possessions. So that that's somewhere I struggle with. So physical books, no, because I, I don't really consume physical books that much. I, I really enjoy ebooks, but I do struggle with uh, compulsory consumption of electronic things. <laughs> Hi, Trevor. <laughs> um, but no, and and I think that's it's it's a good area and one that I that we have to um. We have to talk about more, I think, is because the digital space can can really hide the clutter that we do have. So, and that's a, a lot of the things um, the minimalists you talk about as well is how we can declutter and, and minimize our digital possessions. Because again, that's something that will grow uh, more, more, and more prevalent because of the digital sport, storage spaces and the access to digital resources. So in my other kind of area, which I'm sure everyone listening to this can can say the same thing about, is um, memories and and things that we hold on to um, because they 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 have this 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 um, this I guess memory attached to them. Um, there's a great quote from Marie Kondo's book um, that really speaks volumes to holding on to kind of memorable items, and it's that. It is not our memories, but the person we have become because of those past experiences that we should treasure. And I find this quote really, really powerful. Yeah, I like that. That uh, that that. So you're saying the sentiment item it it, it shaped you into or it moved you in a, di- a direction because of your your attachment to this thing. But once you've moved in that direction, or you, it, it's molded you, you can move on. Exactly. That, yeah. Yeah, and I I like, I, I like I, that. Yeah, and I, I thought it was really, really uh, moving. I have it highlighted here as, a, as an important one that I wanted to talk about. But, and so I, the theory is, going back to that sentimental item, it's not going to shape you or move you any more than it already has. No, and you obviously held on to it for this long because that was that revolutionary. It was a, it was a point that, that really propelled you forward, maybe, whether it was graduating school or or going on an amazing trip, but something moved you enough to hold on to a piece of, of, of that moment. Exactly. And, and, and one thing that 
Marie Kondo also says, and, and maybe can help with clearing kind of minimalizing memories is that, or books or, or possessions is that if you, if you bought a book or if you bought a piece of clothing and, and you never wore it or you read it once or you never had a chance to read it, but it's been sitting there and it's, 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 it's holding you back you can always find a reason to to thank that item and that's kind of her thing is that when you when you rid you, when you get rid of an item you thank it for its usefulness so if you are getting rid of say Trevor your your Beats headphones you thank the headphones for showing you what you did not want in a pair of headphones that you can um or you're that much more knowledgeable in picking out a new pair of headphones so that oh, object did yeah I, it did serve a purpose I didn't see I did I never looked at it that way but I I really like that it's 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 really moving because I think that's one of the problems why we have trouble minimalizing is that we feel bad. You feel you feel guilty for probably throwing away or not throwing away, but giving away or or passing along your your Beats headphones that you have. But if you if you thank them, if you, I mean, I I get, I want to I gave away. Um, well, here here's the funny thing though. I've kind of already I I didn't realize that I've come to conclusion i i often say this to myself i'm glad i never spent the 300 dollars to buy a set because I, I thought i wanted them way back when right yeah but I, I i look at these things every time i have them on i'm so thankful i didn't spend 300 dollars to find out they hurt yeah so that that is in part you thanking your headphones for for showing you that for for allowing the opportunity to know exactly what you want so you know that you will make uh the perfect decision when you do finally buy your own pair yeah so I, I found that that's kind of a very, very kind of revolutionary. And I find that easier to get rid of things because you kind of can pass away that guilt because you are saying that that necessary um, thank you to your object for serving its purpose, whether that was to be your favorite outfit last year or your favorite sweater, your favorite pair of socks, but to give yourself permission that to accept that who you are right now. And to, to that point, there's another incredible quote. I'm reading all these quotes, but... Um, from this is again from her book. Um, just because you dispose of something does not mean you give up your past experiences or your identity. So it just kind of explains that from moment to moment, you're never the same person. So you can, if you liked it last year, you're not the same person that you were last year. So knowing that it was your favorite and holding on to it just because it was your favorite last year does not do your today self any justice. I like that. Boy, I'm, I, this is a book I'm definitely going to read. Yes. No, I highly recommend it to everyone listening to the podcast today. It is, it is, it's, it's been a game changer. I mean, I've already taken action um, and implemented some of these things and I, I feel a lot lighter. So it's, it's, it's been incredible. So Trevor, I, I, those are, I think the two things that I have trouble minimalizing. Is there anything else that you have trouble minimalizing or um, is, is kind of your electronic gadgets uh, a big one for you? Yeah, that would be my weakness for sure. I, I mean, I, I know it's my weakness and I have somebody in my life to help me, uh, hold me accountable, my, my wife. And I, I know when, when you're, when you have a weakness and you go to somebody and if they just keep saying, yeah, go girl, that's you go get one. You know, <laughs> if that's the response you get, you know, that's not a good accountability, accountability partner. But if you got somebody who just says no every single time, that's not good either. You gotta have somebody who who can, who, who who has your best interests at heart. So if you do struggle with some aspect of your life that you you know minimalizing would make you make your world better, but it's something you can't get past, find somebody who you you can who can hold you accountable, who can push you into the right direction. 
I, I really, really like that because that that definitely, and to, to your point, with any of your your technology technology weakness where you you, you have a t- hard time just uh, parting with that that's so valuable. So Trevor, I think that brings us to the end of the show on minimalism. Do you have any final thoughts or takeaways? I have one, but I, do you have any anything to kind of close the show with? I think just, I think this is something everyone can bring into their life. It's about being intentional, uh, having a direction, moving in a direction. So I think everyone should and and could embrace minimalism. And if I had to end with a, uh, a quote, a final quote from Marie Kondo's book, it would be, the space in which we live should be for the person we are becoming now, not the person we were in the past. And on that note, thank you so much for being here with us for with another episode of Simple Money Solutions Podcast. If you have any minimalism tips or anything that has moved you to minimize your own space, send us an email with them or send us a, um, a message to our contact submission form at livelifesimple.ca or email to livelifesimple365 at gmail.com. All of that will be in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you about something we're equally as passionate about. Thank you so much for being with us this week. And we can't wait to have you back with us for another episode next week. Until then, keep it simple.